I'm hoping to convince you, not just that you need him, but that there's literally no other choice for you if you call yourself a Christian and you know him. But before we do that, we're going to start with a little object lesson and demonstration in the Holy Spirit and some of the ways he operates. So Ezekiel sends me a voice note in the week, well, two, one he shared with worship, another one he's going to share now. And then Aiden comes to me in worship with a very similar word, as does Nanak, as does, I think, Kevin. So I actually want to quickly get them to share what the Holy Spirit is saying to them. So Ezekiel, come up quickly, bro. Um, so, uh, I was shared at Com. I think it was like two, three weeks ago. I was, um, that, um, I got a picture of like a chess board, peace board, peace board, board, and that, um, chess board. And then like, we all like chess pieces and they're like, God is like playing chess with us and stuff. And that, um, we like all, we all want to be, um, the, what's the other chess pieces names? The, um, the knight, the kings and stuff like, cause, um, like, um, um, they can like jump pieces and stuff, but God is like, no, you have to be the pawn, you can move like one step at a time. And that every step matters and that like, even though it's a bad step, it's still God's step for you and stuff like that. And that, um, and that um, every, as the pawn reaches the end of the stadium of the chess piece, it can change its like outward appearance. But that must start inside you first as you go through life with every piece and that God is playing the chess and you must just trust God even though he's like not using you as a piece right now, he knows why. And that um, he, like, and he has an over overview of the chessboard, you can see what the opponent is doing and you can say, okay, I'm moving this piece now or oh, I'm not gonna because I know what the guy's next move is and that we should just um, like, um, trust him and stuff. And that, yeah, it's just, you don't want to be like a piece that can jump through stages in life, but just go through every step, God and stuff, so yeah. It's awesome, very good. So for those of you who don't know, if you're playing chess, if you get your pawn all the way across the board to the other side, that pawn becomes whatever you want it to be. So that little piece that moves one block at a time can become king, queen, rook, knight, whatever. Aiden, come on quickly, bro. I'll share that word. Um, so while we were worshiping, I don't know what's the first song again, the new one. And then it said, all I am, I give it to you. So then I saw, got the picture of like we puppets and God's like the puppet master. So a puppet can't have life without like the puppet master moving it and moving around. So the puppet master actually moves us and God moves us around. And like we, it's willingly that we do it. So it's not like God's forcing us to be a puppet. You choose to be a puppet for God. Okay, very cool. So, so who's the Holy Spirit, right? So we've got like God. So when we refer to God, you can be talking about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. These three distinct personalities distinct persons, each one with their own nature and identity, but so united in purpose and vision and love that for all intents and purposes, they are one. Okay. But the closest illustration we can get to that is you know, if your kids come and ask dad something and dad says no, and then they go to mom, mom must also say no. Like we're united, we're one, we're parents. It's kind of a very poor illustration of the Trinity, so I'm just going to back out of that one slowly. Um, <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that. So, so the Holy Spirit. So we have, so in the beginning, there's the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, all existing, right? Then sin enters the world. Man falls. We're separated from God. 
So God sends the Son, the person of Jesus, to come down to pay the price for all of our sins, to redeem and ransom humanity back. So, so Jesus steps out of heaven, steps into time, and is killed for our transgressions. And then he's raised again, and he comes, and he walks with his disciples on the earth, and then he leaves. He says, listen, I've got to go. I'm going back to my Father. I'm going back to heaven. But I'm going to leave you someone. I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit. He's the comforter, the counselor. He is the one, I would say, that in this life and time and space, we would have the most interaction with. Okay, this is the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, the thing about us as people is you've got a choice between two destinies, essentially. So we're all born flesh. We're all born into sin. Essentially, from the minute you're born, you're slowly dying. Okay, that's your destiny outside of Jesus. The other destiny is that Jesus steps in, ransoms you, saves you. Yes, this flesh is still going to pass away, but the spirit, the part of me that is going to echo on into eternity is now going to echo on into eternity with Jesus. And I love that even this morning. Did you guys get that sense in worship that like we were singing a lot about until the end of my days, like on and on into eternity. And I felt like I got this glimpse in worship of eternity stretching out before me. And I'm like, Jesus, that is a really, really long time to be with you. And that's so beautiful. But man, it's a really long time to be without him if you don't know him. And so... The Father has this destiny for us. Jesus has this destiny for us that we would walk with him, that we would know him, that in this life, you know, by how we live it, we would forever into eternity be with Jesus. But you know, Satan also has his destiny for you. And his destiny is just that by whatever means necessary, you not walk in all that God has for you. So whether it's distraction, money, fame, pain, hard life, good life, like whatever it takes, he will throw whatever he can at you simply for the sake of you not walking in the destiny that God has actually got for you. But there's this beautiful thing that happens for us, which is this transformation. So when you accept the fact that Jesus died for your sins, you acknowledge that you're a sinner, you let him come into your heart, you let him actually pay that price for your life and you give your life to him, the flesh man that is dying is reborn into this new spiritual thing. But what I love about Jesus is that he doesn't just take us from one master, you know, this sinful flesh nature headed for death and destruction that we're born into and save us and say, okay, cool, like have a good time. He does something more. He transforms us. He actually makes us this new thing. I remember when I got saved, um, you know, I lived a very, very rough life. Like I did some of the most terrible things. I was an addict. I was, and that just makes you selfish. And it makes you desperate. And so in desperation and selfishness, you do stupid things, man. I stole, I fought, I lied, I slept around. I did like, I was just, I was a terrible person. Like nothing was off limits to me for me to just feed my flesh, which was so hungry and so powerful. And I remember meeting Jesus and actually getting saved and lying in my bed at night, just wrecked with guilt, thinking, Jesus like, I know you've saved me, but I remember the things I did. Like, the enemy would come and he'd accuse me. He'd be like, Adam, who do you think you are? Like, who do you think you are to stand here? You know how much you've stolen? You know how many people you fought? Do you know how much pain you caused? You know how many people you took advantage of? And it was like these fiery arrows that no matter how close I got to Jesus, there was always this reality of like, yeah, but there's also this stuff. 
And I remember one day in worship, Jesus was coming and saying, Adam, you're dead. You died. And I was like, Lord, what do you mean? He said, no, the day you gave your life to me, the day you got baptized, you died. You're dead. The person who did those things, he's dead. I was like, Lord, what do you mean? And he actually came, and by the Holy Spirit, did this thing in my heart where he convinced me of the fact that I was actually saved and redeemed, but more than that, that I was this new creation. I was this different person. To the point where actually the enemy would come and he'd accuse me, and I'd be like, yeah, 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 I remember that guy who did that. Yeah, he died. He's buried out there somewhere. Go throw stones at him. Me, I'm, I'm not that guy. And that, like, it sounds scandalous, but that is the reality of the gospel. And it went this far, that some of the people that I had hurt through those years, I went and I tried to make right with them. Many of them forgave me. Some of them just said, I will never forgive you. I'll never, don't ever come near me again. Don't ever speak to me again. And that was hard. But it was also okay. I was like, Lord Jesus, I pray you change their hearts. But for me, I'm okay. And it sounds scandalous. It sounds like, like I just don't care. No, I cared deeply, but I understood the reality of the fact that actually I was a new person. I was this new creation. And I love this. In 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, it actually says this. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. And that was the story of my life. I remember reading that and being like, cool, that guy is gone. I don't, have to, I don't have to even respond to the devil's death threats anymore. He's got the wrong, I changed my email address. Like, that goes to spam folder now. But I remember then as a young Christian, like looking at these leaders and these guys who would preach and lead things and be involved in church, and I'd look at them and think like, how, how do they possibly get there? Like, what is it that they know? What is it that they've done that they're so different and transformed? Then I found out their secret. And I'm going to share it with you. I'm going to bust them. They allowed themselves to be changed and transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. That is all it took. I looked at these guys, and the only difference between where they were and where I was was that they walked with Jesus, and they allowed the Holy Spirit to change them over time. And I remember thinking, like, there was this part of me that is fairly confident in my ability to overcome. I was like, if, if they can do it, like, I can. If that's what it takes. Like, Jesus, I could be that if I'm with you. And so I did. I started this journey of getting to know Jesus. And he changed me. Um, and it's beautiful. I mean, imagine, so, like, I've clearly got two adopted children. Imagine I just adopted them. I took them out of their circumstance. I brought them into my home. I said, cool, welcome, guys. There's the kitchen. There's your room. I'm out of here. See you when you're 18. I would have done nothing. I would have taken them out of one circumstance and just abandoned them in another. And that is not salvation for us. For many of us, we think the moment we're saved, it's like, yes, it is a beautiful moment in time. But it's not the whole story. It's the start. It's where the journey begins. You know, the destination is that one day you stand in front of God, spent, run out, everything given for him, fully transformed, unrecognizable. And he looks at you and says, well done, my good and faithful servant. You let me change you. You let me transform you. And the Bible is clear that we've got to do this, man. 
Ephesians 4, verse 22 to 24. I didn't give you these scriptures. I'm just going to read them out. It says, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Whoever you find that although you're saved, your flesh is still quite strong. Who never gets angry, never gets jealous. No hands going up here. So if he was like awkwardly scratching his head there, he's like, ish. <laughs> Be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Like we are created these new things by the power of his Holy Spirit. I love it. That's New Testament. And this, so the bookends of the Bible are the story of us being transformed from one thing to another. Even in the Old Testament, Ezekiel eleven nineteen, it says, I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put in them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. And so it's this thing that actually you were flesh, but that part of you that was flesh is dying, has been killed, has been crucified. And what the Lord does is he puts a spirit in you, a new spirit. And suddenly you are this new thing. But that means something for us. It's that we were one thing, we're now new. We now operate on different principles. Like you cannot put diesel in a petrol car. It's just not going to go. It's not the way it was built or designed. And so this is what Jesus does. He saves us, brings us into family, and then says, right, now let me change you. Let me transform you. So the reality is that if you change, if your base nature changes, you do a diesel to petrol conversion, suddenly this thing runs on something different. And that is the Holy Spirit. That is the person of the Holy Spirit. I love it. John 3, verse 5 to 6. Jesus was funny, guys. Um, Actually, like more I read about him, the more I realize he had a pretty cool sense of humor. And I think often he just played practical jokes on people. And in this passage, he's actually he's talking to Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is like, Lord, how do I be saved? Like, how do I become this new thing? And Jesus says, you must be born again. And I think he was setting Nicodemus up because Nicodemus was like, what? Am I supposed to go back into my mother's womb? Like, how does that even work? And I totally think Jesus was setting him up for a little practical joke. But he answers, he says, Truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. And so for us, we're all initially born of flesh. Born of flesh means you're born human. You're born of human. And your human nature has human desires. And that flesh is just all the time chasing after more flesh, trying to save itself and keep itself alive. But the spirit in you, that is the deposit that is placed inside of you when you accept Jesus, and it gives birth also to something new in you. And that is the things of the spirit. And so for us as Christians, you actually cannot be a Christian and follow Jesus and not fully understand the fact that you are actually now spirit animal. You're not meat animal anymore. And we have to live this way. It's like I feel this urgency, actually, that we have to be convinced of this, that without the Holy Spirit, 
without constantly walking with the Holy Spirit, I actually don't think we have a chance. Because what makes it into heaven is what looks like Jesus. And what looks like Jesus is what we allow the Holy Spirit to change and transform in us to look like Jesus. What I love is that when we get saved, when we accept the Holy Spirit, there's this new supernatural life. And it is a supernatural thing. It is this miracle that you cannot understand or manufacture. But it comes into us and it actually starts to supersede your fleshly desires. I found this. When I started following Jesus, the things I wanted to do changed. Not all of them and not all at once. But suddenly I was like, Lord, I'm different. The things I want are different. I still struggle with the other stuff. Yes, and my flesh is still you know, craving it. But there's something different in me that suddenly knows that that is wrong and this is right. And that is the power of the Holy Spirit. And the thing with the Bible, if you read it, there's very little middle ground in the Bible. I don't find a lot of compromise there. Jesus even says, he's like, you're hot or cold. There's no lukewarm. You're in or out. You're spirit or flesh. You're spirit or flesh. You are transformed or you're not. We have to be a people who walks with the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, verse 16 to 25. It says, So I advise you, walk by the Spirit according to your new life, and you will not be doing what your sinful nature craves. The old sinful nature loves to do evil, which is just opposite from what the Holy Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite from what the sinful nature wants. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, and your choices are never free from conflict. But when you're directed by the Holy Spirit, you're no longer subject to the law. I just want to pause there. I love so Kevin shared on tithing this morning. How many of you naturally want to give away your money? Your flesh is like, no, 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 no. Save it. Keep it. Spend it. Hoard it. Enjoy it. But the more I walk with Jesus, there's this unnatural thing in me that makes me want to be generous. It's not a natural default for us, guys. You don't see wildlife sharing food. They're like, no, no, no. Don't come near my kudu. But for us, like we're different because we're not meat animal anymore. We're a spirit man. And so I genuinely, like I'm not trying to be super holy here, but I, like through the work of the Holy Spirit, I actually, generosity gives me something. It gives me a kick. I like it. I like being generous. I like giving my money to the Lord. Because he's changed me, not because I'm awesome. But suddenly my flesh has started to pull in line actually with what the Holy Spirit is trying to do in me. But you need to understand that there is conflict. And we don't like conflict. Generally for us, if something's hard and something's easy, we're like, well, the easy thing must be right, surely. Like that is my best life over there. Except it's not true. And there are echoes of, I'm mean, going to take running. I often think like no one really loves running. There are people who say they do, I don't know. I'm like, but we like the results when we're fit and lean 
and look good. But there's a conflict in us. The flesh wants to rest. The spirit wants to be fit. So we push and we persevere and it costs us. And it says in there, you are not to do whatever you want. You're different now. You're changed. You're not meat animal anymore. You're spirit man. So we need to start looking actually not to our flesh for what we need, but to what the Holy Spirit is saying and trying to do in us. So the question often for me is, in the situation, Lord, what am I letting lead? Is my flesh leading because it wants to? That thing is not fully dead. still crawls its way out now and then and tries to assert its puny little high-pitched voice. Or am I allowing the Spirit to lead me in these things? Because ultimately, I want to look like Jesus. For no other reason, like totally, guys, the reason I want to follow Jesus and I want to look like him is because I want to get to heaven. I want to spend eternity with him. Because I love him. Because he's awesome. Because I want to look like him. Because I want to be with him forever. Because I can imagine nothing better than being in the presence of Jesus on and on and on and on into eternity. So Lord, what does it take? Verse 19, it says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, your lives will produce these evil results. Sexual immorality, impure thoughts, eagerness for lustful pleasure, idolatry, participation in demonic activities, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, divisions, the feeling that everyone is wrong. Except those in your little group. What translation is this, bro? It's like the passion or something. NLT. It's great. Um, yeah, yeah, Brooklyn translation. But I love it. Do you know how you know who's got the will? You know how you know who's steering? What's coming out? Because the fruit of the flesh is that stuff. Now, this doesn't mean you don't ever have that stuff. Okay, guys, I get angry. I am tempted. I have moments of idolatry. Of Sometimes still, like, there are things I want more than Jesus. Really. It's been a long night. I'm like, Lord, I want to sleep more right now. Or, you know, whatever. The flesh is still there. So I'm not saying you're not going to struggle with these things. But are you giving in to them? Or do you fight against them? I love it. My translation, it says, those who live like this, this is what it produces in them. And so it's this idea of I go on living like this. I go on living angry. I go on living an idolatrous life. I go on living a sexually impure life. I lean into it. I accept it actually as part of my nature. Or do I do something different? Do I fight against it? Do I allow the Holy Spirit to come and change me? Do I ask Him to change me? And what scares me about that whole passage is that at the end it says, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So those who continue living in this stuff will not inherit the kingdom of God. Because actually, the reason you're going on living in that stuff is that you're not allowing the Holy Spirit to change you. Which starts to beg the question, do you even know him? In 22 it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, 
joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. You have killed that thing. If you belong to Jesus, you put that part of you to death. Part of you that says, I really want to hoard what I have and not share. No. you got to die. Part of me that just, and like this was my big one, that just wants to get angry because sometimes it just feels good to vent. No. It's got to die. Since we live by the Spirit, note that it doesn't say, if you want to live by the Spirit. It says, no, no, no. You've got him in you now. You're calling yourself a follower of Jesus. You live by the Spirit. Let us keep in step with him. This is how you know who's got the will. When you're walking with the Holy Spirit, it's not always that you have this morally perfect life. But it is what you fight for. It is what you contend for, that you allow him to come in and fight these things, to put to death your own flesh. That you ask, actually, the Spirit to come and give you these things. I've, paid for, I've prayed for patience often. I'm like, Lord Jesus, would you give me patience? Holy Spirit, would you work patience out through me? Fortunately, he doesn't always do it the way I like. He'll say, okay, cool. Then he'll put me in a situation that's really frustrating. And I'm like, okay, Lord, will you give me gentleness and self-control as well? And slowly I let him work his fruit out in me, and I am different now. I am transformed. There's a time in my life where if you looked at me, skiff. Big stress. But I'm not like that anymore. It's no longer my first reaction. Sometimes I'm like, uh, are, we, are we going for this? Are we going to get into it? Like there's, every now and then there's this little twinge, but often it actually comes in me is that like, you know what, Jesus, you died for that person and they're actually so broken and wrapped up in their own pain. They're still slaves, Lord. That's why they act like they do. Jesus, like, would you reach them? Would you love them? Would you give them what you've given me? So do you let the Holy Spirit cultivate this in you? As I was praying about this, I felt the Holy Spirit say, like, are you open to my voice as I prod, prompt, and encourage you? And prodding is, you know what a cattle prod is? The cow's moving. If the cow's standing still and you want it to move, you've got this little shocker thing on a stick, and you zap that thing on the backside, and the cow moves. And often the Holy Spirit does it with us. He's like, you're not moving on this thing. I'm going to are we sensitive to that? Do we obey? Or when he prompts us, like, hey, Kevin, I want you to go and love that guy. You're like, okay, Holy Spirit, I go. And then when he encourages us, that's the one I love often. He's like, Kevin, I saw you love him. Well done. And you're like, yeah, that felt good. I want to do that again. But since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with him. So I love this picture of keeping in step. It's got two connotations for me. One is this dancing language. Like if you see two people dancing and they're in step, it looks awesome. There's this like synergy, no one's stepping on each other's toes. It's this beautiful, like graceful thing. I don't have that thing. I just have observed it and it looks amazing. 
But it's a beautiful thing. And what you're actually doing is you're allowing the Holy Spirit to set the beat and the tempo. You're actually being sensitive to him. You're like, Spirit, lead me. Like, teach me your ways. Teach me this dance. Teach me these moves. But keeping in step with him is also its journey language. Holy Spirit, where are we going? Where do you want me to go today? Which direction? How far? In my devotion, Holy Spirit, how far? And where? Where can I change? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to push for? And for us, again, like we don't have a choice, guys. We, I hope I've convinced you to some degree that you're no longer, no longer what you were. Sorry. I don't know if you understood this before you gave your life to him, but what you were is dead and gone. You are now this different thing. And we have to learn to live and operate in this new creation thing that we are. And the Holy Spirit is the one who enables us to do that. How do we do this? My kids are shaped by me when they're with me. Time. I think that's the number one thing for us. Are we giving him time? Are we actually setting aside time in our lives to spend with him and allow him to shape us? One of the biggest ones for me is his word, this living word. You just read your Bible as a manual, you'll get nothing from it. It's the Holy Spirit who brings that stuff to life. Are we reading his word? Because that will reveal to you Jesus. You'll see Jesus in there. You ask the Holy Spirit to show you. And then ask him, how does this apply to me, Lord? Like it's a living, breathing word. Are we reading it with that mindset of like, Holy Spirit, bring this to life in me. Work it through me. I pray, like I don't know how he does this. I often, there's a lot about Christianity that I don't understand because it's just like God is massive and so complex and so beautiful. But I'm often, I'm like, Holy Spirit, as I read this, would you work it through me? I don't really even know what that means, but it's this kind of sense of like, Lord, I want to be changed and transformed by reading your word. Would you do it? And he often does. And you're asking him actually to speak into your life. Are you opening yourself up, saying like, Holy Spirit, what are we working on today? Where do you want me to change? What do you want me to do better? The big one for me, which I had to learn, was I was very good at speaking and asking. Sitting still and just waiting for an answer, found that quite hard. I think it's also because I'm just quite ADD. But I've tried to train myself, actually, just to be able to sit still and just wait and be like, Holy Spirit, what are we doing? And I've got to go back there. Like, my brain is a little bit, I'll like start thinking about pterodactyls and who would win in like an eagle versus pterodactyl fight. And like, it's just, I struggle to focus on things often, unless I'm super interested in them. But I've trained myself. I'm like, okay, no, pterodactyl's down. Like, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say to me today? And actually just give him time. I often ask him to produce his fruit in me. Like, I want to be patient, kind, loving, self-controlled. Holy Spirit, would you put these things in me as fruit of time with him? I often ask him for the power to overcome my own flesh. I'm like, Lord, that little zombie monster man is trying to climb out again and take control. Would you help me to put to death these parts of my flesh? 
And he does because he's power. And probably the biggest one, do you then listen? Because hearing won't change you. Listening will. Obedience will. You know, on the elders camp, one of the big pushes that Andrew made was that anything we try and do outside of the Holy Spirit, we're wasting our time. And you really are, just because that's flesh doing stuff. Because we're a spirit, we'll find our life in spirit. That's where it is. That's all there is for us. Sorry. <laughs> There's nothing else for you. But that's a beautiful thing because he is everything you need. So I want to actually start by saying, can we make this a part of our lives to actually intentionally relate to him? Ask him in. Make opportunities. Set time aside. Spend time in the Word. Look for Him. And then finding Him. Like, could we be quick? Just to obey. Let Him shape us. Let Him change us. Because that's all that's getting into heaven, guys. What's being transformed and what looks like Him. Yeah. Yeah, Holy Spirit, I pray even now like that you would just... I so don't just want to talk about you. I really don't want to just talk about you. Would you actually come? Would you actually come and like work this into us? Convince us in our hearts, Lord. Oh, Holy Spirit, would you come and actually change us and start to produce this fruit in us?